Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word. Make it be for us the word of life, that we might be people of life. Now, God, hide me behind your cross, that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. He is known as the Prince of Peace. And on this day, on this day, we celebrate his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we celebrate with that with Palm Sunday. As, as we do that, though, we must recognize that Jesus did not, lie, did not act like one that we might expect, uh, someone who would be called the Prince of Peace. The first thing he did when he entered into Jerusalem was that he entered into the temple and he he, uh, he overturned the, the money changers' tables and he kicked them out even with a whip in his hand. It doesn't sound very peaceful to me. Most of us, in fact, dare I say, all of us want peace. It's, this is very unlike this beatitude today. It's very unlike some of the beatitudes that we have seen before. Before, we have seen, last week we looked at purity and we saw how most of us, even those in the church, we're not exactly sure about this whole thing called purity. I mean, we've seen the hyper-religious folks, and they have, had, they have made sure that they have pure hearts. Again, they make sure that they don't drink, dance, or, 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 or chew, or go with women that do. They make sure that they, they, don't, they don't play cards, and they, they, they wear the proper attire, and they don't go to movies, and they are not stained from the culture at all. And sometimes, an understanding of purity is, is something that really turns us off. Again, it's just simply a hyper-religious activity. Or we look at some of the other Beatitudes about, uh, about being poor in spirit or blessed are those who are mournful. I mean, those are not things that any of us probably left on our loan, uh, left alone would, would at least try, uh, try to aspire toward. However, however, peace is something that every world leader strives for and every single beauty contestant says that she wants. But peace is not something that we've experienced much around the world. Last year, last year there, were, there was $1.83 trillion spent in what's known as defense funding, military funding, around the world. And I put all of those zeros up on the screen so you would see how many zeros that actually is. $1,830,000,000,000 last year alone was spent around the world. The United States, obviously, was the largest contributor to that $1.83 trillion with our uh, with our defense budget at $721 billion, and that has almost doubled in the last decade. Just in the 20th century alone, there were 240 million deaths due to war. Again, I put all those zeros there so you would see how large of a number that was. 240 million deaths 
in the 20th century alone due to war. Today, today as we meet, there are 26 countries in Africa, 14 countries in Asia, and four countries in Europe and the Americas who are involved in one war or another. In the 4,000 years of recorded human history, 4,000 years of, of recorded human history, there, have been, there, have, there has not been quite 300 years where there was not a worldwide or a major war occurring. Only 300 years out of 4,000 years. Oh, we may say that we want peace, but as humanity, we have certainly not achieved or attained peace. Today we are continuing our series on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the largest, uh, the, the, the longest sermon that we have in the New Testament of Jesus. Some scholars suggest that these were, uh, this was a number of sermons kind of piled together by the authors. Others suggest, and I tend to believe uh, these, that say that no, this was one of, this was Jesus' one long sermon. I mean, it was one long sermon that he preached. And again, he began, he began it with the Beatitudes. This sermon was preached primarily to his disciples, but we find that there are many others who are among the crowd. Obviously, we don't know how Jesus preached. If he stood in one, in, in one spot, very likely he did, not have a, he did not have a pulpit to preach behind. Uh, it may have very well been that he wandered across around the crowd as he was going about and preaching and teaching. We know that there were a number of folks in the crowd. His 12 disciples were there. His other followers were there. Those that had committed to following him were there. Those that were inquiring were there. Even some of the Jewish religious leaders were there in the crowd that day. And the Beatitudes, as he began this sermon with the Beatitudes, he turned everything upside down. All that they knew about, about God and the way that God works, he turned upside down. I mean, these were not the kind of people that they knew to be blessed. They believed that the blessed were the happy, the blessed were the wealthy, the blessed were the comfortable, the blessed, the, 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 the blessed were, were the most powerful. But Jesus turns everything upside down. And he says, no, the, the blessed are those who are poor in spirit, not those who are hyper-religious. Blessed are those who are, who are mournful, not those who are prideful. The, the, blessed, are, the blessed are those who, who are meek, not the proud. The blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not, the, not those who have already been filled and their, and, and their lives filled with what they might consider righteousness. Blessed are the merciful and blessed are the pure in heart. And today, blessed are the peacemakers. More so than ever throughout this series, I want to highlight this, that these beatitudes build upon one another. These beatitudes build upon one another. It's my conviction that you cannot become a peacemaker until you are pure in heart. And you can't be pure in heart until you are merciful. And you can't be merciful until you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And you won't be hungry and thirsty for righteousness until you are meek. And you won't be meek until you are mournful over your sin. And you won't be mournful over your sin until you are poor in spirit. 
I believe, I believe these Beatitudes are, are almost, almost in, in a sequence. I think first begins that, that being poor in spirit, recognizing our own sinfulness, and then mourning over our sin. Again, they just they build upon one after, after another. And so I'll tell you, uh, I've, I've got to be honest that being a peacemaker is not for the beginner. It is not for the beginner. It is not someone who, who is not yet mournful over their sin. It is not yet for someone who is, who, is, uh, who, is, who is not yet merciful or who is not yet thirsting after righteousness or even it's not, it's not for those who are not yet pure in heart. But as God remakes us and remolds us into the kind of people that he would actually bless I believe, then we are ready to be peacemakers. We're ready to be peacemakers. Now hear, now hear what Jesus does not say. There are some things that Jesus does not say that when we read this uh, beatitude, our minds obviously, typically, go to a couple of different things. One, it typically goes to, keep, uh, to peacekeepers. Jesus does not say, blessed are the peacekeepers, because you know um, there are some people who try to keep the peace at all costs, at all costs. All of us are, have an aversion to conflict, or almost all of us have an aversion to conflict. Uh, some people love conflict. I am one that I absolutely hate conflict, although I found over the years there is a necessity of conflict. And I have found some ways to be able to deal with conflict. But I remember early, early on in my ministry, anytime there was a conflict in those first churches that I pastored, I would get butterflies in my stomach. I would, I would become incredibly, incredibly anxious. Peacekeepers is not what Jesus blesses. You know, that, that middle child who sits in the back seat and keeps the peace between the older sibling who is trying to boss everyone around and the younger sibling who is simply trying to get attention. Typically, those are the types of people who are peacekeepers. They're just trying to keep the peace at, at all costs. That's not what Jesus is calling for. That is not who God blesses. God is not saying that he blesses the peacekeepers. Likewise, Jesus is not saying that he is blessing the peace lovers, the peace lovers. Some teach that pacifism is the only way, and I'll be honest, often that is the case. Most often, that is the case. I was deeply, deeply impacted when I was a student in seminary by a professor who who said he was a pacifist. I'd never met a pacifist in my life. I grew up in far western Oklahoma. There were, I can promise there were few, if any, pacifists in far, in far western rural Oklahoma. But I was deeply, deeply impacted and affected by this professor, Bob Lyon, who was a pacifist. He deeply impacted me. And I began to see the, uh, see the need for pacifism. Violence seldom solves problems. Violence seldom solves problems. We know the Old Testament rule, an eye for an eye and a, and a tooth for a tooth. I mean, there's that old saying, if everyone kept that law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we would be walking around with a whole bunch of toothless blind people around. <laughs> but again, that, that, was a, that was a call to civility. That eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was a call to civility. 
It was a call to end escalating violence because the way the world works, I mean, we, we know how our culture is. Someone punches you in the arm, you sock them in the mouth, you sock them in their mouth, they, they come back at you and they, they hit you hard enough, they knock out your tooth, they knock out your tooth, you gouge out their eye, they gouge out your eye, you cut off their arm, you, they cut off your arm, you kill them. That's the way of the world and escalating, escalating violence. But, but the Lord came along and said, no, 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 no more. No more killing for a knocked out tooth. No more. Someone knocks out your tooth, you, you can knock out their tooth as well, but no more than that. An eye for an eye and a, and a tooth for a tooth. But then, but then Jesus came along. Do you remember what he said? You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, love your enemies. I say, be kind to those who persecute you. It's peacekeepers. Excuse me, peacemakers. Peacemakers, not peace lovers. Nonviolence, indeed, must be the way in most cases But often, peace lovers will look the other way in the face of violence. When they see violence occurring, when they see uh, injustices occurring, they love peace so much that they are forced to to look away. Lest they get involved and, and, and create more conflict and more violence. But all, but some will... Well, they will, they will simply, again, just look the other way. Jesus is not saying, blessed are those who are of a peaceful disposition. That's not what he's saying. He's not even saying, blessed are those who yearn or want or desire or whose aspirations are for peace. Jesus is not saying, blessed are those who are easygoing and laissez-faire. He's not saying, blessed are those who want peace. Or who would bring peace at any price. Or, or, or blessed are those who would, who would always compromise. Blessed are those who would try to avoid trouble, not rock the boat. That's not what he's saying. Blessed are those who, are, who, who's, who's, who have an appearance of peace. You see, the appearance of peace may only be an absence of war. And that is not what the Lord Jesus is saying. He's not saying blessed are those who who live and let live. Those who are tolerant in society and and say things like, well, you know, as long as it doesn't harm me and my family, eh, you can do whatever you want. That's not who Jesus is blessing here. I don't think that's what this verse means at all. If by a miracle we could bring an end to all international conflict, we would still lack peace in our own lives. I heard a story I shared this past week in my devotional about a soldier who wrote from a battlefield to a family member who had been quarreling with a family member, and the the letter said, please stop nagging me so I can fight this war in peace. (laughs) If we're to have peace, if we're to have peace, it must start in our own lives and in our own relationships. If we don't have peace there, then we aren't in any place, in any position to begin working for peace in arenas outside of our own lives. To quote an old favorite hymn, let there be peace on earth 
and let it begin with me. Jesus does not bless peacekeepers or peace lovers. He has something far more heroic in mind. The word peace was a word that the Hebrews would have known. All, all of Jesus' listeners would have, uh, would have known exactly what Jesus meant when he, wor- when he used the word shalom. It's a Hebrew word. And it was a word that was used as a greeting, a kind of a goodbye and a hello. However, however, um, oftentimes when we think of peace, we, we have in mind the absence of war. But that's not what peace ultimately means. We see peace not as a quality in and of itself, but we, we see peace as a, as, as, a, as a freedom from a negative state. Meaning we, we see peace uh, when there is no war. But the Hebrew was a very, had a very positive meaning that, meant, that meant everything that works or that makes for a person's highest good. That's what peace meant. Everything that, that makes for a person's highest good. Peace means not only freedom from all trouble, but enjoyment of all good. Peace is not just about the silencing of the violence of warfare and strife, but a state of well-being and fullness. So when Jesus is blessing peacemakers, he is blessing people who are bringing peace and making, making peace in the lives of others and bringing about the fullness of life to others and even to their own lives. Making peace means that we must make peace with others and with ourselves and, and even, with, even with God. Peacemakers are people who make peace with others. This is where the Jewish rabbis would have acknowledged the truth and the power of what Jesus was saying. They said that the highest task a person could ever perform was to establish right relationships between people. And they understood that there are always troublemakers, people at the center of conflict time and time and time again. You know people like that. I have a friend I graduated from seminary with, uh, and he is getting ready to be appointed uh, this year. He has been in ministry for almost 23 years, and he is getting ready to be appointed to his 11th church in 23 years. He gets sent. He continues. I mean, I, I, I talk to him from time to time. He continues to complain that he continues to get sent to these churches that are in conflict. He just can't figure out why there's conflict all around everywhere he goes. He's never, he's never uh, led a church that wasn't embroiled in conflict. He's never, uh, uh, he's never presided over a church that was growing numerically. He's never presided over a church that was reaching out in mission to the world. He's never really been involved in a church that was in the business of making disciples. And he can't figure out why all of these churches are always in conflict. What he hasn't recognized is, what he hasn't recognized is he's the one common denominator across all of those churches. He's a troublemaker. Just simply a troublemaker. And we all know people like that. That if there's not trouble around, oh, they'll make trouble around. In our family, we call those pot stirrers. They like to stir the pot. <laughs> They've always got something brewing. They're stirring the pot always. And again, when there's not trouble, they're creating trouble. 
They're stirring the pot. And the Hebrew people, they knew that there were pot stirrers around. And again, they said that the highest, the, 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 the highest task that a person could perform is to establish right relationships between people, to, to establish peace between people. You know, there are some people that I know of in which, in which conflict seems like it doesn't have any part of their lives. You know, here at First Church, I think of people like Kelly Hancock, and I, I, think, I think of people like Jan Chapman. I, I, think, I think of Chris and Cindy Jenka and the entire Jenka, Jenka family. I mean, you, you're around these folks, and there's just not conflict around. There's, there's just simply peace. These are, these are peacemakers in our lives. There's some people who just have the spirit of peace. But again, I think even I think peacemaking even, even goes a step a step further. The peace in the Bible that 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 the Bible calls blessed does not come from an evasion of issues. It comes from facing them and dealing with them and even conquering them. What this beatitude demands is not the passive acceptance of things because we are afraid of the trouble of doing anything about them, but the active facing of things and the making of peace, even when the way of peace is through struggle and sometimes even strife. It means bringing attention to injustice. It means standing up for the downtrodden and the oppressed, the least and the last and the lost. It means bringing justice and mercy into the world. But it also means that we must that we must make peace with God. You see, it's my conviction, just like, just like last week, is it's my conviction that we are dealing with heart issues in our country. We are not dealing with political issues. We are not dealing with diplomacy issues. We are not dealing with trade issues. We are not de- de- dealing with military issues or defense budget issues. We are dealing with heart issues. And until and unless we have peace with our God, with our Lord Jesus Christ, we will not have peace in the world. That's where it comes from. That's where it comes from in your peace with other people or lack of peace with other people. It's where it comes from your lack of inner peace in your own hearts and lives. It comes from a lack of peace with God. And you see, in this week, on this week, more than any other week, we must recognize and we must come to terms the kind of peace that the Lord Jesus Christ offers us. For in this week, we will journey the way of the cross. We'll journey with Jesus when he has that last supper and he, he takes off his cloak and he kneels down and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. Yes, even the feet of, of, of the one who would betray him. Yes, even the feet of the one who would deny him and Peter. He serves each one of them. And he tells them he is giving of his life for them. We will journey this week in that garden. When Jesus asked his disciples, his three closest friends, won't you tarry with me just a while longer? Tarry with me in prayer. His disciples are like you and me. They fall asleep. They're asleep at the wheel when Jesus is at his greatest need. 
will journey with Jesus to the cross. For you see, on that cross, he offers us the peace that surpasses all understanding. He offers that we might now no longer be enemies with God, but we might be children of God. That's the peace. That's the peace that Jesus Christ blesses. And that's the peace that we are called to make in this world. Not just to love, not just to keep. We are called to make peace in this world. So make peace. Make peace between you and others. Make peace in your own heart and life. Make peace with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you. We bow before you because you are the Prince of Peace. Lord, even as the Prince of Peace, you brought peace through strife. You brought peace through struggle. You brought peace by standing up for the least and the last and the lost. So Lord Jesus, help us to know that we are called to, be, to, to make peace in this world. Not by sitting idly by when we see injustices. When we see the downtrodden. When, 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 we, when we see the needy ignored. Lord, you have called us to stand up. To stand up and to make peace in this world. To bring your peace into this world. Oh Lord, give us your peace. Your peace that surpasses all understanding. Oh Prince of Peace, come and be our saviors. Be our Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.